Welcome to the Cover 3 Podcast. It's your weekly drop back into Whatcom County prep football on the Doug Lang Network at onthedln.com. Now let's hit the huddle with your hosts, Doug Lang, Jeff Bearden, and Tyler Anderson. Welcome to it. It is indeed time for the Cover 3 podcast. Yours truly, Doug Lang, with you here on the Doug Lang Network at www.onthedln.com. Joined by Jeff Bearden and Tyler Anderson from whatcompreps.com. And we will delve deep into week six of Whatcom County football here as we get you set for all the games going on, including a game going on, well, as we speak, depending on what time you are listening to all of this. Uh, We'll also hear from Jeff Rex from KBRC and Caps Radio as he'll give us a preview of those Burlington Tigers as they are featured in our game of the week as they'll look to try and hand the Linden Lions their first loss of the season. It's Linden Burlington Friday 645 with a 7 o'clock kickoff. All of it on the Doug Lang Network at www.onthedln.com. Along the way, how about some, uh, well, mid-season awards that will be handed out by our own Tyler Anderson. We'll also hear from all of the coaches, and we'll tell you how two QBs are better than one. But first, it's time to look back as we get things underway. Time for the Cover 3 podcast opening kickoff. That is very loud. Our apologies. We are trying to work on a few things as we've got a few of the uh, the technical difficulties here. We will press on with the Cover 3 podcast. Uh, we will get things underway as we take a look at the Week 5 recap, some of the games that stand out. And Bellingham Blaine, if you take a look at it in just first blush, you're like, okay, well, you know, not at the top. And uh, Actually, pretty important game in that, uh, Tyler, Bellingham wins it, their third victory in a row, a narrow one over Blaine. But Blaine actually was competitive in this one, got back to running the football with a tailback over 120 yards, also a touchdown, and all of a sudden, Bellingham has put themselves in place where they're at the top of that Lake Division. Blaine, it's do-or-die time for them now, but they may have turned the corner. Yeah, Blaine settled on a running back, like you said, and Alex Mercado had a really good game, and they didn't have anybody else come in or sub in for him. They just went with him the whole game, and and for a guy to, that was a slot receiver still learning the plays, he did he did pr- pretty well, and he got into the end zone, which they desperately needed. Um, you know, it was just it was just one of those games where they each had you know some chances and to kind of jump way ahead. It was a close game. And uh, Bellingham came on top by one for the second year in a row. Jeff, when we look at this Squalicum victory over Meadowdale, forty-five to seven, Squalicum is in high gear right now. Uh, they've they look to be doing exactly what Coach Nick Lucy said they wanted to do at the start of the year, and that is play great defense special teams to set them up and run the ball and that's exactly what they did in pounding Meadowdale. Yeah, they're they're running really well, you know, their offense is going good, the defense is going really good. Uh, you know, their running game 
is one of the best we've seen this year and uh, they're an exciting team to watch and i don't think very many people gave them a lot of credit coming into this season and i think they've opened up a lot of eyes and you know they're they're definitely a force to be reckoned with right now yeah absolutely they they seem to be a team that uh is doing what they want and and if you take a look at, you know, they've got a big matchup against Ferndale still to come here, but uh, the schedule sets up pretty well to set up quite a clash against Oak Harbor towards the tail end of the year. Mount Baker, a winner, 41-20 last week over Meridian. Uh, I think a lot of people surprised at the difference there, uh, you know, just the scoring difference. But Mount Baker, their two losses have been in the final seconds against Linden and in an unbelievable comeback against Linden Christian, they're a deceptive three and two. Yeah, they are a great team. Like you said, the only two losses are against two undefeated teams that were extremely close and they were up big on, on Meridian. I mean, they were up 34, nothing at one point and, and Meridian's a great team and this was at Meridian. So, um, Mount Baker, I think proved what they can do. You know, they, they they're very good running the ball obviously everybody knows that but and they're going to smash you in the mouth on defense and they're going to air it out when they need to Lyndon Christian a winner they also go to 5 and 0 on the season 38-19 over Nooksack Valley uh this is a game where they had to do it we'll talk a little bit more about it here in a moment they had to do it with their backup quarterback and Bryce Bauman replacing Trajan Scouten who got injured in that contest but LC despite giving up 19 points and that was mainly kind of in a third quarter letdown by LC their defense Everybody talks about the offense, but their defense has been has been great all season long. Yeah, their defense is something else to watch. They, you know, they just they're ball hawks. They get to the ball. They just they start their line of scrimmage at the line of scrimmage. They play so well, yeah. and they just don't let you get anything going. They get pressure on the quarterback, and uh, you know. I, I said before the season started that Lyndon Christian was my going to be my surprise team this year, and so far so good. They're they're holding up their end of the bargain. They absolutely are. And then of course our game, Lyndon over Lakewood, thirty-one fourteen, a game of adjustments from what we saw with a team that got behind early and and could have been on their heels. And I thought they responded really well after giving up a short field, great field position on that opening kickoff and an opening touchdown against a very very good Lakewood squad. Yeah, Linden looked great. They 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 were very balanced. You know, they ran the ball very well. They passed the ball very well. That huge touchdown right before a half was huge. Um, and then there were some short kickoffs by Lakewood that Linden took advantage of. And and when they get the ball at the fifty yard line, they're going to score. I mean, they just have the weapons to get down there and score. They stopped Lakewood on a few fourth and shorts, which was huge. Gives them great field position again. And Linden just kind of pulled away and showed their dominance at Lakewood. And remember that Linden did this with their second quarterback, Brock Hepner, who played because James Marsh couldn't. Remember, Linden Christian won. They did it with their second quarterback, Bryce Bauman, because Trajan Scouten got knocked out. That proves to me, plain and simple, uh, as much anecdotal evidence as I need, two quarterbacks are better than one because in high school football, if you usually say, oh, we've got two quarterbacks, we have three quarterbacks, that usually means you don't even have one quarterback. In this case, both those teams, both undefeated, number three, Linden, number four, Linden Christian, They've got a wealth of riches at that quarterback spot. Yeah, and you know, uh, Hepner started the year last year when Marsh couldn't go, right. so he had a lot of experience coming in. Both uh, Scouten and Bauman, neither of them had taken a varsity snap, and so, and uh, but they have tremendous talent. 
And it does show that, I mean, as soon as Bauman came in, his first attempt, he threw a touchdown pass. I mean, these are talented kids, you know, and uh, Hepner had a great game and thrown for 186 yards. Now, here is Lyndon Christian coach Dan Kamick. Talk to him about this, about the two-quarterback system, as there is a question mark as to who's going to be the guy this week for them. He says it's a not a bad problem for them to have. They both bring something a little bit different to the to the table. And when Trajan came out, um, I don't think from an offensive standpoint we thought any different than we usually do. So Bryce, first series, I think he got the ball. He threw a touchdown pass, and then he hit a big one in the second half. So he had two touchdown passes. I wasn't called to throw a lot, but when he did, he was very accurate. So we feel good about Bryce going into it. Trajan will be a game-time decision. Um, right now he's trying to recover from his injury and – We'll see where he's at. Yesterday's prognosis from the doctor was very positive, but, you know, guessing by doctors is where they're going to be by Friday, and the actual reality of it can be different. But if it ends up being Bryce, we feel great about it. And if Trajan's available, then he'll get a look too. On the other side of things for Linden, I think it's safe to say that heading into the next game and probably for the remainder of the way, that both James Marsh and Brock Hepner will see time at quarterback who will play the bulk of the snaps depending on how things go. I would think that would probably be the way that it breaks down for Linden coach Blake Van Dalen. He says, indeed, fans can expect to see both QBs seeing time behind center. Well, the good news is they're both really good friends. And so they, they love working together. Uh, James, when he was injured, was a great help to Brock. Um, I think, uh, um, they, they've got a great chemistry when they're throwing to each other. they got a great chemistry when they're working side by side. Uh, they both love to play defense. Uh, they're both uh, getting recruited as all-around athletes, and so it puts us in a situation to be able to use them that way. And so um, I, I just love having great kids that get it. They're both captains, and so I think they were voted captain by the teammates because they have great perspective of the situation. And so – I just have a ton of respect for them and their maturity and how they handle uh, basically every situation that's come their way. And I'm just blessed to get to coach two fine young men like them as well as the rest of the team. They're all great kids. Well, uh, it looked like, like I said earlier, a wealth of riches to have to deal with with both of those coaches for undefeated teams. Uh, and now uh, back by popular demand and even expanded a little more this week, stats time with Tyler that will also go into – Tyler's mid-season awards, uh, best offensive player, best defensive player, coach of the year, through the midway point here, if you will. Uh, but let's start with some numbers. What do you got for us? Well, I I was I've, I keep going over these individual offensive stats, and I thought I need to look at some defensive stuff. I need to look at some team defenses. Which, right. Which defenses are really standing out? And, um, of course, you would figure that Lyndon Christian is doing pretty well, and they are. They are only averaging four yards a play against them. Whew. I mean, this is rushing and passing. Wow. So they allow 3.3 yards per run against them, 5.1 yards per pass, and 3.9 total. And that's best in the county for all three categories. I, one of us here picked them as kind of their surprise pick. I cannot remember who. I think uh, it was probably me. Uh, no. Oh, okay. <laughs> no, 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 that okay. All right. They also intercept 8.6% of the op opposing passes, which leads the county as well. So they're doing all sorts of things. They're tackling well. They're doing well in the secondary. Um Opposing teams complete less than 40% of their passes against them. Wow. So they lead in all these different things. Uh, Mount Baker leads the way with 10 interceptions as a unit. Um, 
Squalicum only allows 110 yards rushing per game against them, which is pretty strong. Meridian only averages 74 passing yards per game against them, which is... A lot of team speed in that defensive yeah, backfield. There's right. no doubt about it. And how about Blaine? You know, they've been struggling so far on offense, but their defense, like we've said, mm -hmm. is, is really, really strong. They are only allowing 206 yards a game against them total, which leads the county. That's impressive. So that's the stats wrap-up. For the midseason awards, I have a few things here. Um... For coach of the year, you know, there's a lot of great coaching jobs going on right now. You know, Ted Flint's got Bellingham at three and two. Yep. After an 0 and two start, he's got you know, uh, Nick Lucy's got his team four and one, and and, and playing, playing their best playing football right now, really, yeah. really well. And of course, you know, Blake Van Dalen is is undefeated, but I have to give so far the midseason coach of the year award to Dan Kamink. Really? Yeah. Now, did he, Jeff make you do this? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, he just. He's, he's just got those kids playing so well, and so many of them didn't have any varsity experience coming into this. I right. mean, yeah, he's got he's got a great group, obviously, but he has a way of just channeling the right thing at the right time, and it just, you know. We talked about this a couple of episodes ago where, I mean, this is he inherited a team that had one victory right. the previous year and, and slowly built it back up, but this feels like the Dan Kamick football team's of old, the teams that I was used to calling for years and years yeah. that were always at the top of the Whatcom County League were competing for league championships, uh, state titles. Yeah. So I, 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 I agree with you. I think he's done a fantastic job. But they're, they're, the others that you mentioned also right there in the running. Yeah, they've, I mean, so many coaches have been doing a great job. For the for the linemen of the year, I'm, I'm trying to look at this both ways, too. Um, you know, Butch Mullins for Bellingham has just been a mauler, and he gets after it on defense as well. Riley Bear has been unstoppable for Seahome mm -hmm. on defense, and he, you know, he plays offensive tackle as well. Obviously, Garen Hatchet is, you know, can flatten anybody as an offensive sure. lineman. He gets double teamed a lot on defense, but I'm going to go with Jacob Kettles from Linden. He's just been a rock on the left tackle and nose tackle and he's, they've moved in guys around him but he's been that consistent exactly, force exactly exactly and he's a guy that i mean he could have been my mvp maybe i mean he's just been done so much as a great lineman yeah, and we saw it we saw it last weekend yeah. at the game i mean whenever yeah. linden was in third and short you yeah. know it, they run were going to run yep. right behind him and you know yeah. every time it was a first down exactly um Defensive player of the year, you know, I there's so many great de defenders and it's and I, I've watched every snap of every game and there's just a ton of great linebackers. And, you know, just to name a few, you know, Colin McEachern at, at Squalicum is just all over the field. Um, Dawson Smith at Seahome is making unbelievable plays. Jack Fields is just yep. crushing kids. Mm -hmm. uh, Dylan Hickok for Meridian. He's so sure handed as a tackler. But my defensive player of the year is a junior linebacker at Linden Christian, Davis Gatterman. Mm. He's 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 in on so many plays. He's already intercepted a few passes. He's recovered fumbles, one for a touchdown. Yep. He just kind of is he's so instinctive and he's a great hitter. He just kind of does a little bit of everything and it's cliched. He's got a nose for the ball. Right. If if it's yeah. there, but he he will. He'll find it and uh he has he has been just part of that one part of the emergence of that defense, right. which has really set the tone for a, a a squad that's not led by, it doesn't have a huge senior class. It's led by that junior class. Yeah, and he's a junior. So, I mean, he's just, and he's right in the middle of everything. He can play the run. He can play the pass. He can just do a little bit of everything. Uh, offensive player of the year, you know, obviously everyone sees the numbers. I put out the leaders every week. Um, you know, some of the guys, I mean, Gator Fox is, is just a bowling ball yep. and he's, he's fun to watch. You know, he's not going to break off a 50 yard run, but 
he'll get there on a few carries. I mean, he'll just run over guys. Dylan Roberts has been fun to watch as a running back for for Seahome. We've got to see him a few times. Evan Knightling is spectacular with the ball, and he's missed a game even, but he'll catch a short pass and just take it the distance. Um, but I'm giving it to Spencer Lloyd. I mean, that kid is just every time he has the ball in his hands, which is every play, yep. you just don't know what's going to happen. And he's, you know, he's averaging, you know, almost eight yards a carry. He's ran for 11 touchdowns and well ahead of everybody in the rushing yards. And he's putting the team on his back offensively. Yeah. I think he defines the MVP right now to this point in the season for that team. Yeah. He's, he's just been unbelievable. And then if I go, if I'm looking so for my most valuable player, what I look at is someone that's kind of doing a little bit of everything, both sides of the ball. And, um, you know, Austin O'Brien is just, you know, he's all over the place, you know, offense and defense, a great linebacker. Yep. Uh, Dawson Logan, kind of the same thing at Meridian. You know, he's running the ball, he's throwing the ball, he's a great safety, he's returning punts. You know, they're using him all over the place. Where's he going to go? Where's he going to go? <laughs> Caleb Bass is, you know, has really taken over that leadership, ran for four touchdowns and for over 100 yards against Meridian. Mm-hmm. That kind of came out of nowhere, and he's been a lockdown corner as well. And, but I'm going with Brock Hepner as the wow. MVP. And it's just, he's just a kid that I, you know, when you think of MVP, you think of, well, without that player, how would they be? And right now, I mean, him as a quarterback, obviously, but as a defensive end, yeah. he has such great closing speed. He's a sure, you know, he's he's a sure tackler. He just he just stands out to me, and and I think without him, it'd be a different story this season. There you have it. Midway through, there are your uh, awards going out from Tyler Anderson from WatcomPreps.com. All good ones and uh, a lot of names in there for all of you now to uh, have some conjecture about and grumble and, oh, I can't believe it. Once again, uh, any uh, praise or complaints, go to Tyler Anderson from WatcomPreps.com. Jeff is still sitting by. Lyndon Christian's going to be good this year. That's right. (laughs) (laughs) All righty. Time for us to get on out of here. We'll take a time out. Then we'll come back with more. Do up next. We'll look ahead to some of the big week six matchups as the Cover 3 podcast continues right here on www.onthedln.com. The prep football season is underway, and we've got you covered on the Doug Lang Network. Listen to our game of the week as we follow the gridiron action in Whatcom County. The Linden Lions play host to Burlington, October 5th, beginning at 6.45 p.m. Listen live online at www.onthedln.com. Welcome back to it. You're listening to the Cover 3 podcast right here on the Doug Lang Network at www.onthedln.com. It's also available to you on iTunes, Stitcher Radio, and the TuneIn app. Download it for free and listen along. You can subscribe to the Cover 3 podcast. Listen to it all for free. New episodes come out each and every Thursday during the prep football season. Yours truly, Doug Lang, along with Jeff Bearden and Tyler Anderson from WatcomPreps.com. Plenty of games going on in week number six. That means we've got to take a look at them. We get things underway with a game that, well, is already underway, depending on what time it is when you're listening. But while we are taping, it is already being played it is a Thursday affair. Darrington at 2-2 two two at Lummi Nation, also 2-2. Two two. 
We thought, even though the game was underway, it was important to let you know that there was a little bit of a shakeup, that Coach Jim Sandusky was looking to change things up in an effort to get more physical play out of his Blackhawks after they suffered their second straight loss last week, losing to Nazel. Here's what the coach had to say earlier this week. We'll have different uh, starters for this game coming up, um, guys that showed me that they really wanted to hit and wanted to play. Um, so I, I'm, I'm looking forward to uh, giving that opportunity to the guys that really want to get in and, and uh, be physical. We wish the coach and the Blackhawks the best of luck in their Thursday affair. Lummy will get another shot at Nia Bay, one of their top rival, coming up next week. Blaine. 2-3 overall, 0-2 in conference play. They're at Mount Lake Terrace, who's 3-2, 2-0 within the conference, sitting tied in first place in the Lake Division. That's following their 19-16 victory over Seaholm last week. They have now won three straight. I think that's maybe the biggest surprise in the 2A here so far. Yeah, uh, you know, Mount Lake Terrace, they, they like to spread you out, and, you know, they them beating Seaholm last week was was huge and you know Seaholm outgained him in yards almost three to one but Mount Lake Terrace is finding a way to win. Blaine has lost three in a row but they found their running game last week in a 14-13 loss to Bellingham. Alex Mercado ran 23 times for 126 yards and a touchdown and Jeff in our game Blaine Seaholm they just couldn't move the ball on the ground and it made it much easier for the Mariners to get after them bring that rush hopefully now Blaine has that rushing game going yeah if Blaine can get their running game going and it sounds like you know going with Mercado is going to be the the guy they're going forward with hopefully they can get that offense moving and keep their defense off the field a little bit longer the Seahome game Blaine game that we did Blaine's defense played great but then they got so tired because yep. the offense just couldn't stay on the field so hopefully this helps him get going and keeps the defense fresh as well. Blaine head coach Jay Dodd says Mount Lake Terrace, they are clicking right now. They do a good job of getting the ball in the perimeter. They run a lot of fly sweeps and tailback screens and, and quarterback sweeps. And, 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 you know, they don't do a ton of things in the box. They do a ton of things on the perimeter. So they're a good team. Um, you know, they, they, they scored three times against Seaholm. They, they ran one back on the kickoff. They got a muff punt, so they created a turnover on the punt and they get it in a short, short field for a touchdown and scored on a long pass. So uh, they're explosive. Uh, they're a good team. We definitely have our work cut out for us. The Borderites are looking for their first league win since October of 2016. Moving on, Squalicum with a 4-1 mark, 2-1 in the West Coast 3A North. They'll visit Ferndale, who's 1-4, 1-2 in the West Coast 3A North in a 7 o'clock game on Friday. The Storm dominated Meadowdale. We talked about it earlier, 45-7 last week. Squalicum, 438 yards rushing, and they also might get their 300-pound lineman, Brandon Gimsey, back from injury listed as week-to-week. That can only add to the riches right now. You want to run the ball, you want to be on a Squalicum football team. Yeah, and it doesn't it doesn't matter if it's the quarterback, if it's the running back, if it's a receiver on a on a fly, you know, sweep or whatever they do, but they just have a huge offensive line. I mean, Dominic Mack and those guys are big. Jackson Campbell's huge. Now you add Brandon Gimsey to it, and you're just going to want to run it more and more. Storm coach Nick Lucy says after playing spread pass-heavy teams the last three weeks, they'll have to adapt to the power style of Ferndale. They're a physical team. We know we know what we're getting this week in the sense these guys are going to come out and they're going to be throwing haymakers. And, you know, they have a big old 220-pound fullback, and 
you better believe you're going to get him running downhill at you. And then Burnett uh, yeah, always runs the ball well. And then uh, I think they've really gotten a lot better throwing the ball in recent weeks. So, you know, again, we got to we got to keep our eyes up and not fall asleep on anything. So on the defensive side, they're always physical and well coached uh, up front and in the back end. And we got to do a really good job getting body on body, executing, getting some movement by using great technique. And then uh, I think this is one that's going to come down to turnover, special teams, and then uh, limiting big plays. On the other side, Ferndale fell to league-leading Oak Harbor 28-13 last week. But despite the loss, Coach Jamie Plankovich says it was their best four quarters of effort to date. And that is taking into account the game that we had where they got the victory, where they were kind of clicking early, and then they had a disappearing quarter and then came back in the fourth. If they can put it all together, they feel like a team where it's just there, but they can't get over the hump. Yeah, you know, the game we that we did and, and some of the other games that I've seen footage of, you know, penalties have killed them. And, you know, just little mistakes. And so if they can play a full four quarters of, of solid football, you know, they can beat anybody. They've got the talent, but they're going to have to eliminate all the mistakes that they've been making. Blankovich says against Squalicum, his guys will have to stay focused and not get distracted by all the window dressing and misdirection the Storm bring offensively. They've got great size up front, so they're uh, offensively, they're a challenge because they'll, they'll uh, give you a bunch of different looks if we're not disciplined. Uh, looking at the things we're supposed to, they will definitely rip off some plays and they have uh, some guys that are very capable of doing that. Last year, lopsided affair, Ferndale 48 nothing over Squalicum. Good one, Meridian at Linden Christian. The Trojans 3-2, and 1-1 and one in league play. They'll take on an undefeated 5-0 LC squad that's 2-0 in league play. Fourth-ranked Lynx look to stay unbeaten as they host last year's league champs and 1A state runners-up in Meridian. LC got out to that early lead against Nooksack Valley before putting away the Pioneers 38-19. Meridian suffered their second loss of the year at the hands of Mount Baker, 41-20 last week. An ankle injury to all-state lineman Adam Krusich is playing a big role up front for the Trojans, and you can see it on tape. You can see it in the win-loss column. They'd love to have their big guy back. Right now, he is listed as week-to-week. Yeah, Kruzic is a beast on both sides of the ball, and he's he's a tough kid. I mean, he played injured all year last year. You know, he's their biggest offensive lineman, 238 pounds or whatever he is, uh, or, you know, 180 or whatever the roster says. <laughs> but, I mean, he's, he's just so... He's such an integral part on both sides of the ball, and it's, you can just tell a little bit is just not there for, for Meridian, but they will always find a way to move the ball, whether it's on the perimeter if they have to. LC head coach Dan Kamick says Trojan QB Dawson Logan will be the big test for the low, or the, low, the LC defense. We saw enough of him last year from the defensive standpoint and his spot play at quarterback to realize that he was going to be a real problem. So we'll have to have an idea where he is at all times regardless of formation, but uh, you know, schematically, it's just going to be our kids knowing where they have to be and when, and then it's going to end up being tackling and, and blocking the right people. It's as simple as it can be, but, you know, just execution is the problem. And like I've told you before, I after victories, I have a couple of days where I smile and I'm happy, and then Monday at the reality comes as who we're playing this week. And when you play Baker, Nooksack, Meridian, I mean, you're going to get that every time. So we all feel that, and we all know that. I've got great respect for Coach Ames and what they do, and we'll have to play great. There's no question about it. I think our kids 
have great in them, but uh, they're certainly a real formidable opponent over there. And joining the Mutual Admiration Society, Meridian coach Bob Ames says he likes what Coach Kamick has put together at Linden Christian. Just another well-coached uh, uh, team. He has a great collection of athletes in the secondary and equipment and have a plethora of quarterbacks that can come in and do what he wants them to do. Uh, and they're really big up front. You know, they'll go 230 and at, at both tackles in a in defensive end at about 240. So they're, they're, they're good-sized, and uh, they're playing really well. Meridian swept both games over Linden Christian 28-7 and 33-20 last year. Next game, Seaholm, 2-3 and three overall, 1-1 one and one in league play. They're at Cedarcrest, 3-2 and two overall in a matching 1-1 one and one league record, a 7 o'clock kickoff in that one. Mariners licking their wounds after racking up 436 yards of total offense but coming sh- up short in the red zone last week in a 1916 road loss to Mount Lake Terrace. Special teams issues played a big role. The Mariners gave up a TD return in the opening kickoff, muffed a punt return, set up a short score for the Hawks. They're going to look to try and turn this around and get back because when we've seen Seaholm, they have all the skill. It's about being consistent each and every week. Yeah, and, and Coach Beeson will ins- in- instill that in them. And, you know, I, I got an email from him over the weekend, and he just said, man, this one just killed me. Yep. This was, you know, you do I got so- the same thing. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, you, you know, you do so well. You do so well. You do so many things right, and you just and just a few things go wrong, and all of a sudden, you know, you can march down the field and not score, and they get a short field, and they do score, and, and you lose. And, and it's... I know that he's going to get his kids after it this week. Jeff, we're only a week removed from when we saw them play great against Blaine and really click on all sides, both sides of the ball. Special teams look good. It's it's obviously understandable how frustrating it is. 436 yards of total offense, and yet you're bogging down in the red zone, and it's not because they don't have the talent. They've got plenty. Yeah, it's, it's just little things that, that prevented them from getting into the end zone. This is going to be a good game for Seaholm to, to bounce back from. Coach Beeson's going to learn a lot about his kids this week. You know, coming off a tough loss like that last week, I think I think they're going to come out and be ready to go this weekend. And I wouldn't be surprised if they blow Cedar Crest out. But that's, you know, my own personal feeling. There you it. go. It's homecoming for Cedar Crest after the Red Wolves shut out Anacortes 14-0 last week. Seahome coach Kevin Beeson says stopping the run game will be a key. Cedar Crest is a, uh, a good team. They have some uh, speed in places. Uh, they run a rather unconventional wing team deck. Uh, and they go from that, between that and trips open. Uh, they'll throw the ball a little bit. Uh, they want to run the ball as much as they can, probably like most teams do. Um, yeah, no, they, uh, they're that Eva front on defense. And uh, they'll let's uh, guess people. So it's going to be a challenge if they're homecoming this week. So we're going to have a full house on there for them. And we hope to go down there and uh, spoil that for them. Looking to spoil a little bit of homecoming form. Last meeting between the two teams goes back to 2016, November of 2016 to be exact. Cedar Crest a winner, 46-20 over the Mariners. Mount Baker, 3-2 overall, 1-1 one one in league play, taking on Nooksack Valley at the home of the Pioneers, 3-2 as well, 0-2 in league play. Mount Baker bounces back from their frustrating league opening loss to Linden Christian with a 41-20 victory over Meridian last week. Coach Ron Lepper singled out the play of Waylon Kentner defensively and his whole offensive line in leading a dominating run attack 
in the victory. You took a look at that tape. They looked dominant in this game. Yeah, they just they just pounded the ball. I mean, they were physical and Caleb Bass running the ball 18 times for yeah. 108 yards and four touchdowns. I loved it. I mean, he he it looked like he took some plays that were supposed to be handoffs and he just did his own thing with it and improvised and scored touchdowns and he was determined to win that game. They played great. Pioneers will look to halt a three-game losing streak after falling to Linden Christian last week. Too many miscues for Nooksack Valley who had four interceptions in the loss. Mountaineers coach Ron Lepper says you got to stop the signal caller when you go against Nooksack Valley. Oh, the quarterback, O'Brien, is having a heck of a year. He does a lot for that team. Got some receivers out there, and they've got they, they all create some space and, and a, a lot of crossing patterns, a lot of stuff to try to get guys, you know, make a mistake and then catch the ball. But if it's not there, you'll affect the ball and run, and he's a very effective runner. So um, offensively, those you know, we got to really concentrate on that. And then, you know, defensively, they fly around the ball a little bit. You just got to make sure you get a hat on, on them. You know, we got to get a red hat on a white hat on Friday, and hopefully we can uh, keep the change moving. Nooksack Valley coach Rob Meyer says the Pioneers, they've got to eliminate their mistakes against Mount Baker. So far in every single league competition that we've had this season, not just our games, but the other games, whoever has won the turnover battle has won the football game. When you have a league like ours with teams who's fairly evenly matched as ours, the turnover battle is extremely important. You have to have those possessions. Secondly, we're going to have to play sound defense, really make sure we're lined up in the right spots, and, and not get fooled by all the fake handoffs and everything that Mount Baker does really effectively. You know, when you look at these numbers between the teams, I know they're still looking for their first league victory, but the difference between these four teams in the in the Whatcom County League, I'll go old school, just doesn't seem as pronounced as many may look at it and think that it is. Yeah, it's all four of them are just loaded with talent and they can beat each other each week you know to, right like they said coach Lever says on turnovers you know that can be the difference in a game between these two but this is a big game for Nooksack because they do not want to go and three yeah the first time through they've got to get a win here and and I think they'll be ready to go they're playing at home uh, and they're gonna give Baker everything they've got and we'll see what happens the team split last year. Nooksack won the first matchup 26-14. Mount Baker won the second game 29-12. That brings us to Anacortes at Bellingham. The Seahawks still looking for a victory. 0-5, 0-2 in league play. They'll take on a Bellingham team that's hot. 3-2 overall, 2-0 in league play. Bellingham tied with Mount Lake Terrace for first place in that 2A Lake division. Red Raiders won their third straight last week, edging Blaine 14-13. Coach Ted Flint said the team got off to a slow start versus the Borderites after some poor practices last week. Talked to him earlier today. He said this week they had one of their best practices of the year. You make of it what you will, but now look, the, the, the pressure is there. Bad practice, slow start, great practice, hot start here against an Anacortes team that's still looking for their first one of the year and first one under head coach Chris Hunter. They fell to Cedarcrest 14-0 during week number five. And you watch Anacortes, and it's just tough. They 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 run a tough defense, an old school type of or mark that offense, an old school type of offense that's tough for defenses to get prepared for. But first year, whole new set of coaches, they're suffering some learning pains or some growing pains right now. Yeah, it's been hard for them to get on the board this year, and uh, and Bellingham's just been playing so well, and this could really be another boost for them. Uh, 
you know, uh, emotionally or just, yeah. you know, just kind of get them over the hump. And, and, and you never know. I mean, they want to run, run, run the ball, but they came out last week and threw to Spencer Lee the first four plays. Yep. So they, you just don't know what they're going to do, and that's what can make Bellingham so dangerous. Flint says his defense, they'll be tested by the Seahawks on Friday. Yeah, they run a, a unique offense. It's uh, uh, kind of based on uh, what's called the toss offense from uh, a long time ago uh, where Eric the Enemy ran high school and got all of his yards. Uh, so it's a unique offense. Lakeside High School ran it for a while. Um, you know, not one you see every day. So, you know, it takes a while to get used to it, used to playing against it. And they've moved the ball against everybody. They just seem to bog down and not be able to score. But, but it's not like they haven't been able to move the ball. And there you have it. As we look back to last year, it is Bellingham a winner 20-7 to over Anacortes in that matchup. That's most of your games for week number six. The last game is our game of the week. Burlington taking on Linden. We'll break it all down, let you hear from Blake Van Dalen and more when we take a break. Come back on the other side. You're listening to the Cover 3 podcast right here on the Doug Lang Network at www.onthedln.com. Hi, I'm Doug Lang. Thanks so much for taking the time to listen to the Doug Lang Network. We're happy to present this audio stream and hope you enjoy it. If you're looking for great local sports content like scores, news stories, photos, interviews, blogs, videos, and more, then check us out online at www.onthedln.com. It's the online home of the Doug Lang Network, complete with social media links to Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Local voice, local teams, local roots. The Doug Lang Network, online at onthedln.com. You can now listen to On the DLN on iTunes. Just search for the Doug Lang Network. Click and enjoy. Hallelujah! Welcome back to it. It is the Cover 3 Podcast. So glad to have you listening along, whether you're doing it on Stitcher Radio, TuneIn, or Apple iTunes, or right there on the website at www.onthedln.com. Can't thank you enough for listening along. New episodes of the podcast come out each and every Thursday right around 8 o'clock. Glad to have you listening along. Doug Lang along with Jeff Bearden and Tyler Anderson from whatcompreps.com. We left one game to talk about because it's our game of the week. The Doug Lang Network Game of the Week. Hey, I forgot to update that one, so I'm just going to tell you what it is. It's been that kind of week, everybody. It is the breakdown of the game of the week. It is Linden playing host to Burlington. 6.45 with the pregame, 7 o'clock the kickoff from Rolly DeCoster Field. We'll hope to have you all listening in at www.onthedln.com as we should be in for a good one. Always a great rivalry affair between Burlington and Linden and despite the disparity in the records of Linden being 5 and 0 ranked number 3 in the state in the 2A classification and Burlington just 2 and 3 it is a battle of first and second place within the Sky Conference uh and it all I hate I hate the cliche of throw the records out the window and these but it really is one of those situations I've called a zillion games over the years and Linden Burlington 
the records rarely mean anything in that there is such a good kind of heated rivalry between these two teams that anything can happen in this matchup. Yeah, it goes back to the you know the mid early '90s when Linden jumped up a classification and yep. they started playing them every year, and it's and it's always been a great matchup. And and you know I think Burlington got them pretty good last year, and I'm sure that Linden knows about it. And uh, you know going through this season, you know you're kind of looking at Burlington going, well maybe they're a little down, and then they shut out Cedro last week. You just don't know. And 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 Linden, you know, I think that they are looking at this game and saying, okay. This is they always are up for us. They might have got up a little bit last week. This is going to be a great game. Lions came back from that early deficit to beat Lakewood 31-14 on the road last week. The Tigers, they got their biggest victory of the year last week. They shut out Cedro Woolley 21-0. This coming from a team that fell early in the year to Lord Tweedsmere 14-zip. To get perspective on Burlington, I reached out to KBRC and Caps Radio sports broadcaster Jeff Rex, who's called the Tigers this season. I started off by asking Jeff, which team is Burlington exactly? The one that shut out Cedro or the one that got shut out by a team out of British Columbia? Right now, I do think they are more of the 21 to nothing shutout over Cedro Woolley. They figured a few things out. They do know that their best identity right now is to run the football, chew up clock, and that's exactly what they did against uh, Cedro Woolley at home in a big rivalry last Friday night. Multiple guys carrying the football. If they stick to that, I think they're going to fare well the rest of the season. Jeff, give us a few names. Who are some of the guys that are going to have to get it done for the Tigers if they're going to knock off third-ranked Linden? Uh, definitely actual Will Honan. He's listed as a receiver, and that's probably where he's most known at. But uh, they moved him into the tailback position at different times. He's got great speed, 6'2", 195, a senior. He utilized his speed for a big game on Friday, Friday night. They do have some power backs as well. Uh, Burlington Edison Leeson is their leading rusher on the season for the Tigers since their, since their original starting running back got hurt in uh, Tate Cavanaugh. They've gone to Dylan Weeson, and he's more of a power back. He does a terrific job. Also, Jacob Fleury, a very uh, multiple-dimensional athlete, uh, a lot of times lines up in the H-back position. He can run the ball. He can catch the ball out of the backfield. Those are the, the key guys there for Burlington Edison. Defensive side of the ball, what do they have in that defensive backfield? As you know, with Linden and that spread offense, you better be stout back there. They're going to throw the ball on you. They do have a good defensive backfield as well. A couple of big interceptions off of uh, Carter Trammell, a, a very accomplished quarterback last week. Actually, two of those picked off by Austin Frazier. Not a big guy, just a junior at 5'8", 160, but he had a, a big game. and. A lot of the other guys go both ways as well. They, they do try to get you from up front, though. They're running uh, a 5-2 defense, which is something they've done way back in the past, got away from, and a new defensive coordinator, Troy Anderson, has brought that back, so they're going to try to pressure you. But uh, they do have some pretty good athletes in the backfield. Uh, Aaron Fisher also a good defensive back for Burlington Edison. Jeff, I mentioned the rivalry nature of this one, and, I, I hate to be cliche, but it doesn't matter what those records are. You can throw them out the window. Uh, when these two teams meet over the years, we both have called plenty of these great matchups on teams uh, on either side that have been well on their way to either winning a state championship, getting to a state championship game. It's always a really good matchup. 
always a good matchup. Uh, from what my understanding is, too, the new defensive coordinator, Troy Anderson, did some scouting for for, for legendary coach Kurt Cramey, so he knows Linden very well, from what I've been told. So add that into this rivalry, it always makes this one a very fun matchup. And, and the whole Lions and Tigers thing, just, it just by chance, really kind of builds it up. Final one, Jeff, to get a sense of the other teams that you cover down in Skagit County. Is it a down year overall? Obviously, we know Anacortes is going through growing pains with a new coaching staff. Not sure where Mount Vernon is at. We mentioned Seabro. We mentioned Burlington. Give us your overview of those four teams down in that greater Skagit County area. Overall, probably a little bit. Mount Vernon is actually on the uptick in the West Coast. And they got beat up pretty good by Lake Stevens the week before, but Lake Stevens a highly ranked team. Mount Vernon bounced back and got a tough road win over a good Monroe team last Friday night. So they're kind of, uh, I wouldn't say surprised. We knew they were getting better, but maybe improved a little more from from last year than we expected. Burlington Edison were, were getting figured out right now with uh, with them going to the running game. Cedro Woolley, they looked like they bounced back and played great against Lakewood the week before, but then they, they had a really rough night against the Tigers a week ago. Yeah, Hannah Cordes, they're, 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 they're looking for the future, hoping they get something going down the road on that, that beautiful, uh, fairly new field they have out in Hannah Cordes. That's the breakdown from our pal Jeff Rex from KBRC and Caps Radio as he gives us a look at the Burlington Tigers. On the other side, Linden head coach Blake Van Dalen says his team did a great job making adjustments against Lakewood after falling behind early. You know, there's a certain speed, quickness, uh, angles, things that, that they did maybe a little differently than our scout team did. So that was a big adjustment that I thought our kids handled really, really well. And then offensively, there was a few things that they took away that forced us to go a little different direction. And those kids stepped up and made really great plays when we needed them and, and kind of put us over the hump. Jeff Makai Harris. That's the name that stands out for Lakewood. And when I heard Coach talk about the speed that they couldn't replicate in practice, good luck, good luck that is, replicating anything that Makai Harris can do. He was lightning quick, and he was dominant on the first two or three possessions for Lakewood. They didn't make him completely go away, but as he mentioned, they made some great adjustments against him. Yeah, they definitely, you know, did something to, to slow him down. And, you know, Lakewood, they had to go away from him because Linden was keying up on him on that fly sweep and reverses. And he was their entire offense. And uh, But Linden's defense stepped up, did a great job of s- slowing him down. And, you know, it paid off in the end. Coach Van Dalen says the Lions, even though they're third ranked, they're not paying attention to those state rankings. Uh, You know what? That's for media guys like us. Yeah, we really don't talk about it mainly because we can't control it. We spend a lot of time talking to the kids about what we can control. And this schedule that's been in front of us is a handful. And uh, trying to go 1-0 every week has taken all of our time, energy, and focus, and it's no different this week. Um, every game is important, but uh, to say that this game is just another game would be an understatement. Uh, both teams really, really want this one, and uh, so trying to go 1-0 and is taking all of our energy. Tyler, to that end, this is that time of year when you are undefeated, when you're 5-0, and that you're no longer looking at, okay, we just got to get past the non-conference, or we just need to start off good against an Archbishop Murphy where 
15, 16, 17-year-old kids, if you get it in their head about where you're at in the state, if you look at the rankings or you start reading those press clippings, if I can go old school, sometimes that can throw teams off. It sounds like this group is pretty well focused week to week. Yeah, and they were focused over the summer. I mean, so many of them hit the weight room. And, you know, it's if he can get those kids to not look at that stuff, yeah. Um, to not look at my webpage or your webpage, <laughs> um, then then you know he's got great power over them because those webpages are fantastic. But I mean, look at it's, that. It's, it, it's one of those things that I mean, when I played, I remember we were ranked like fifth in the state or something, and I freaked out and said, "Man, I could miss an extra point and we could lose." Yep. And it's all my fault, and we're gonna go down in the rankings. <laughs> and so it's it's kind of like you just. You know, if they can look past that, and it sounds like they are, and they're playing like it. I mean, they are playing as a unit. They are they are driven and focused, and they're playing great. Got a big one against those Tigers, and Coach Van Dalen says Burlington, giant surprise, looks like Burlington. They really want to run the ball. Um, uh, they, they will set up their play-action pass by running the ball. They will throw some quick pass, but really they either want to pound it between the tackles or stretch you out. Uh, they've kind of got a tight bunch formation, and the running back runs really hard. Uh, he puts a foot in the ground and heads north and south. First chance he gets to see a seam. They put a bunch of guys in the box, which forces you to put a bunch of guys in the box, and that just means a big pile of bodies. And uh, hopefully we make the pile go the other way because it's going to be a long night if not. It is Linden playing host to Burlington last year. Burlington got them 33-13 in that victory down in Burlington. We'll see what happens coming up on Friday night. It is our game of the week, and you can hear it all right here on the Doug Lang Network. We'll get underway at 645 at www.onthedln.com. We'll take a timeout. Three questions and our weekend picks are next on the Cover 3 Podcast on the Doug Lang Network. The prep football season is underway, and we've got you covered on the Doug Lang Network. Listen to our game of the week as we follow the gridiron action in Whatcom County. The Linden Lions play host to Burlington. October 5th, beginning at 6.45 p.m. Listen live online at www.onthedln.com. Ah, yes. Welcome back to it. The portion of the show that everybody waits for, everyone's excited for. Let us know more about the Cover 3 crew. Well, we do it with three questions we're all here we'll all answer and then i'll grade the answers usually i'm the one that's right it's weird i don't know how that works but it just always seems to kind of work out that way you have the key absolutely i do all right here we go uh which two of the following affectations would you add to your look and why you must add two of the following and why a pocket watch a pirate eye patch a monocle a cane or a stovepipe hat. What two would you add to your look and why? Tyler, you may go first. Well, the one that jumped out to me was cane. Okay, you'd like that, a cane? That yeah. might happen in a few years. I mean, who knows? Okay. Um, uh, uh, now, now, size of cane. Now, you're not a tall man. <laughs> would you grab a larger one, kind of like almost like a walking, like a hiking stick? No, it'd be very Yoda looking. Okay, you know, okay. Uh, you know. Sure. Um, 
And then uh, not a monocle because okay. I wear glasses. Sure. Gotcha. So probably a pocket watch would be the other one. Pocket watch? Yeah. Just, just to keep very accurate time? Yeah. You know, I mean, I from just- From the 1800s? I, I just, you know, I just got away from the flip phone a few months ago, so it kind of okay. sounds about right. Sure. And gotcha. I, I can't stand wearing watches, so Understandable. It, it might work out. Okay. Jeff? Uh, pocket watch, pirate eye patch, monocle, cane, stovepipe hat. You must take two. Ooh, I'm going to go uh, the hat. Stovepipe hat. Stovepipe hat. Because of your love of Lincoln. Yes. 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 Okay. And uh, we'll go with a cane as well. Wow. Yeah. There you go. go. For the whole look. You would use it for fighting, wouldn't you? Uh, to, to fend off some of those animals on your route? Well, if I had, yeah, I might, yeah, I probably could use that on the mail route. <laughs> there we go. A few animals, but I'll, you know, I could put on a fur coat and, Ooh, and uh, there we go. Then we got a whole new look going. There you go. <laughs> I think everybody would be happy to get their mail from, from the pimpin' postman, huh? <laughs> he would be a mail man, wouldn't he? <laughs> Woo! Hey-o. Hello. Uh, sadly, both of you are wrong. Uh, clearly, it is a monocle. Uh, and on a chain so that you can have kind of those express or those that surprise like what and then your monocle would fall <laughs> out uh, just at kind of kind of Colonel Clinkish if you will uh, and then you have a monocle but I'd also like to wear it over my pirate iPad so people would ask a lot of questions like does he really think he can see out of that? Plus, I would also change the eye patch and the monocle, depending on the given day, from eye to eye to really freak people out. I think you just gave me a Halloween costume See, idea. There, there you go. There you go. The doubling. Colonel Clink as a pirate. Yes. Whoever thought of that? Pirates of the Caribbean, we expect you to make some changes. That's right. All right. Uh, next question of three. Uh, let's see here. You can only have one professional sports team in Seattle. Which one is it? Mariners, Seahawks, Storm, the new NHL team are coming, or the NBA team that is surely on its way. You only get one. Jeff, you are up. Ooh, wow. Oh, and why? And why? Uh, I'm going to go with the Seattle Mariners yes. because the season lasts the longest. Okay. And so, you know, football is only 16 weeks. Right. We don't know what kind of hockey team. They can't be as bad as the Mariners. The Storm have Canada. three championships, sir. They, yeah, they do have three championships. Yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm going to stick with the Mariners. Okay, I'm stick go, with the Mariners. Baseball guy sticks with the Mariners. Well, Giant I'm shocker. I'm also a Cleveland Browns fan, so look at the teams I support. That's, I mean, that's true. Just, that's true. Yeah. I don't know. Maybe they'll have monocle night at, uh, <laughs> for a Mariners game and you're set. You know, that's what they would want. Yeah. They, you know, if it's a promo night, that's what they're all about anyway. I like so, it. Yeah. Tyler? I know this doesn't make for great content, but I'm also going to go Seattle Mariners. Oh, uh, I terrible just, content, yeah. by the way. <laughs> I just, I think, and I'll, but I'll give my reason why. Um, they haven't been to a World Series, and I just, I'm, you know, when the Seahawks got to the Super Bowl after the 05 season, I, it was great. But then I thought, man, if the Mariners did it, I would be freaking out. Yeah. And so yeah. I just, I feel like that was when I realized I'm a bigger Mariners fan than I am a Seahawks fan. Wow. And okay. So, and so I, you know, Mariners. It just something about them. I don't know what it is. I love going down to spring training, and um, if I could just have one, that's that's the one I would hate to see go. I hated okay. when the Sonics yeah. left. Yeah. And and um, a part of me was thinking, I hope he says Sonics. Yeah. But then I thought about it, and that Mariners. I just 
Understandable. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, you're both wrong. Uh, giant surprise. Uh, it is the NBA team that is surely on its way. Um, the, they're the, they're going to be the Sonics. There's not going to be any of this weird, you know, like, what name shall we call them? The Kraken, the Seattle Fish, the, any of this stuff that's going on for hockey. Look, we may become a great hockey town, but we don't know, okay? Uh, we've been a great football town when the Seahawks win. We've been a miserable football town when they lose. Mariners, come on. Come on. This is as bad as l- allowing Sam Bradford to continue to play in the NFL, okay? I'm sorry. The The team that won the very first championship is the team, the Sonics. They need to come back. And I'm okay if they're the only one. I'd give up all the others to bring back the Sonics. See, I loved NBA basketball. Yeah. The Sonics yeah. were here, you know, and ever since they left, it's, yeah. yeah. I, I just have no desire to watch it Right, anymore. I've been to more yeah. Sonics you know? games than Seahawks yeah. Mariners combined. Yeah. So. In the name of Chris Wilcox, bring him back. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Bring him back. And finally, guys, in three questions, best holiday food and worst holiday food. Which holiday do you most look forward to food-wise which is it? Tyler, you are up first. Also, which is the one you hate the most? Oh, wow. Just going food every week with us. Uh, best holiday food? Man. Pumpkin pie on Thanksgiving Okay, is what yeah. I'm going to go with. Yeah. Um, I'm usually working about, I don't know, 50 days in a row with one day off, that being Thanksgiving. So, so it's, it's the Thanksgiving food. It's the turkey. It's the pie. It's yeah, the whole deal. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and my least favorite. Yep. Uh, I'm gonna go uh, Peeps on Easter. Oh, yeah. <laughs> That's yeah. Disgusting. Yeah. Um, so not not sweet enough for you. They're just yeah. you know. Hey, here have a marshmallow full of sugar. Mm. Oh, sounds great. Yummy, Jeff. I'm gonna go off the board here. I'm gonna say Fourth of July barbecue. Ooh, nice. yeah. I you know there's nothing better than a good barbecue. Okay. You know, and, right. Right. Throw some steaks on the grill. Yeah, and, some brats uh, on there. Some brats, yeah. Maybe some ribs. And uh, yeah, that's that'd be my favorite. The worst. It's got to be St. Patrick's Day with the. Uh, what is it they have? The cabbage. corn beef and cabbage. Yeah, corn, corn beef, beef and, and cabbage. cabbage. Yeah, yep. that's definitely the worst. Yep. 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 Very good. Yes. This is a rarity where one of you got it correct. Not all of it, but you both got a portion of it correct. Thanksgiving, hands down, is the best. I mean, like, not a giant surprise. You got you got the turkey, you got the gravy, you got the mashed potatoes, you got the stuffing, you got green beans, you got that. I mean, you got a lot of good stuff. Everything except for sweet potatoes or yams, which uh, yeah. I, I would I like to take a pot of those and run them over with my car. They're so bad. So. Thanksgiving, yes, uh, which Tyler got, and then the worst is what Jeff got, uh, St. Patrick's Day. Because clearly, whatever line you get in to uh, secure your holiday food, wherever the, the grand maker is here, uh, somebody was, well, having a drink or two because you got you got corned beef and cabbage. Yeah, if at any other time where I'd be like, hey, man, why don't you come on over? Big party. We're having some corned beef, and then I'm breaking out the cabbage. Not only would you not come to my party, you might beat me up if you saw me later on after that party. Plain and simple, the worst food possible. Easily. And you clearly have to drink a bunch of Guinness and as much Irish whiskey as you can to stomach it. Okay? Yeah. Yeah, Yeah, there we go. I'm glad we could all agree on that. And that is three questions. All righty. It must be time to wrap it all up. Podcast two-minute warning here on the Doug Lang Network.
Yes, indeed, it is the two-minute warning and time for us to get on out of here, and that means it's time to make our picks for the Cougars, the Dogs, and the Rams. It is the Huskies playing in the first one on Saturday. They're taking on UCLA at 4.30. Jeff? Well, Huskies, they're going to blow them out. Yeah. Yeah, It's going to be ugly. Tyler? Yeah, same. I mean, UCLA has just not been the UCLA that I remember growing up with, so Huskies all the way. I'm loving the fact that Chip is terrible, terrible, terrible. Yes, Huskies by 72 <laughs> over UCLA, and that's still not enough. No, they Wa- score all day. Yes. They keep scoring. Wazoo at OSU, Oregon State, 6 o'clock kickoff in this one. Pac-12 late nights. What do you think, Jeff? Uh, Cougars are going to win again. They're they're hot right now. They're playing pretty well. Tyler? Yeah, I'm going the same way. Air raid, just keep throwing the ball. Washington State. Magnum P.I., fear the stash. Got to go with Wazoo, plain and simple. And finally, the Rams at the Seahawks Sunday, 125. Who you got? Uh, take the Husky UCLA score and apply that to the L.A. Rams and uh, the Seattle Seahawks. It's going to be ugly. Tyler? Yeah, it'll, I think it'll be closer than what Jeff says with the it being at Seattle, but I still think the Rams are going to win it. <sighs> I'd like to believe you, but I think the Rams are that good, and the Seahawks are struggling. And Noel Thomas, good luck. You're going to need it. Rams by 17. And there you have it. That's the Cover 3 Podcast, Episode 6. We'll see you, Lyndon Burlington, on Friday at 645 on the Doug Lang Network. Thanks, everybody. Talk to you later. Thanks for listening to the Cover 3 Podcast. Download and listen each week on iTunes, TuneIn.com, Stitcher Radio, and online at OnTheDLN.com. Whatcom County Prep football fans, we've got you covered on the Doug Lang Network.